Commander 2020 is the first Commander product release to be in tandem with a main standard set. Still packed with niche cards and tools for EDH players to boost their arsenal, but with the feel and flavour of a courier, Wizards seeks a new way to support the format. But will this strategy work, and what can we expect from the latest pre-cons? Welcome to Magic the Flavoring, the Magic the Gathering podcast, where we talk about all things magic, flavor, design, and lore. My name is Andy Mann. Hello, this is Nathan Cancel. And we are doing our episode on Commander 2020. Uh, we tried to fit it into our last episode when we took on the Aquaria set, but uh, actually I think there's, there's enough to be talking about here that we could actually do a whole episode on it, and this is that episode. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is a bit yeah, of a bonus really episode. disjointed. Yeah, yeah, it would have, it, it would have been much, too much, too much exactly, yeah. Um, this is a bit of a, a bonus episode. Uh, we are going to still be doing our law episodes uh, kicking off this week, starting with Monsters. Bonus round! Bonus round, and then we'll move on to uh, the humans next week. Um, but yeah, Commander 2020. So this is the first time, and this is what they're going to be doing throughout the whole of this year, in fact. This is the first time where they've matched up a Commander release with a set specifically so they've always done it where they might have had a theme in the commander sets which echoed some of the themes in the sets previous so i know when they did commander 2016 with the uh tribes with the yeah it was the tribal one was 2016 wasn't it oh you're asking what is in the eminence i think it's yeah 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 yeah. Uh, like, yeah the eminence one so yeah i knew that yeah, they did they that all... they had the cats uh from Amon- yeah the fact the fact they're always a year after the actual like date they say was always Jibs me out a little bit. Yeah, I yeah. remember. Yeah, I think it's twenty. Yeah, I think yeah, seventeen, and then eight. Yeah, and then yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go with yeah. You, you tend to know these things pretty well. I'm gonna go with <laughs> well, yeah. My yeah. point being is that they always tend to have something in the commander sets which at least kind of um, link in with the previous sort of standard set of magic. This is the first time that they're actually doing a commander set which is ex- explicitly connected to a set. So this is mm. the big commander set of this year. Um, we've got five commander decks. This is Commander 2020 uh, attached to the Acoria set. And then later in the year, they will be doing uh, commander decks for Zendikar Rising, but they are not going to be. It's not going to be a big commander release. It's going to be more of like a. It's more more like supplemental. a supplemental set. Yeah, exactly. The kind yeah. of thing that they would do with like a Planeswalker set or the old starter decks. Which uh, mm. I, miss, I miss those starter decks. That's how I got back into playing Magic was through those decks. Um, but now they'll be doing commander decks instead. Um, but this is our big release. So we have five mm. commander decks. We're about three minutes into the podcast, and I've said Commander and Deck about 15 times already, but there we go. Um, And we're going to be taking a look at all the different mechanics uh, that are in the set. Um, We're going to be looking at how they kind of all fit together. And uh, Nathan, you've been sort of studying these, these decks pretty hardcore at the moment, right? Aye, aye. Not, not, not as hardcore as I did with the, um, the Aquarius set because obviously we had a lot more cards to go through. Um, and to be fair, I, I haven't... Um, what I've mostly been talking about are new cards today. I will be talking a little bit about some reprints and some value aspects of the deck, but for the most part, we're going to be talking about the new mechanics and everything that's been, uh, been released. It's basically like an extended... Um, review of, yeah. of new cards. Well, yeah, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to addendum that onto the last week's episode. But not only does it get confusing talking about cards from the set and from the commander set in the same podcast, but also there's just a lot of little quirky bits in this that um, that require some some extra attention. Sure, I think though if you've if you've looked at the same main set properly though, like looking at this commander set is just more like extra reading, isn't it? Like we're going to be looking at the new mechanics and all that kind of stuff and all the new cards. But if you've been paying attention to the Ikoria set without the commander product being involved, then you probably already kind of know what's going on. It was interesting yeah. that they released. We said this in the last episode. It's kind of interesting that they released the commander set with the the main set product as like one spoiler season. Mm. Um, 
obviously that might be affected by everything that's going on in the world. They've been changing a lot about their release dates and how they've been doing things on the fly because everyone's uh, kind of in lockdown at the moment. So I think they that had a big factor into it. But they, yeah, as, as we said in the last episode, it must really suck for, for limited and standard players who are looking at all these spoilers and then suddenly going, oh, oh no, we can't play with that in our decks. Oh, that's yeah. Oh, wait, no, that's a different set symbol. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that whole point is that they're trying to create... Um, that cross synergy of people that play limited when they get home. What do I do with all these cards now? And the fact that I, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to have like um, an objective uh, point of view at this point, but um, I don't know how relevant commander is to say someone who starts immediately playing limited, like how quick are they to, to know about the, cause it took me a long time to get to commander. Like, I used to mm. build like um, kitchen table, like four color non format monstrosities because they used to basically play like the best cards of, 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 of four different years of standard, but it wasn't really a, a modern deck because this is when extended was around. Um, and it was basically four color good stuff kind of decks that I built. And you weren't really, they weren't legal in any way, shape or form, but it took me a long time to jump to commander because the formatting of the, of the, well, the formatting of the format, good vernacular, um, the structure of the format made, made basically meant that I didn't have enough powerful cards really to build the decks. I didn't have anyone to play with. And if I didn't have anyone to play with, what was the bloody point? Um, and I can't remember what made me eventually bite the bullet, but once I bit the bullet, I never looked back. But I don't know how quickly, well, how easy it is for newer players to jump directly into it. But if you tie a set around it, and we said this last episode, like if you have all of these mechanics that directly work with the decks that you're able to buy immediately, and you've got all of these extra cards that you can add in because you've been playing draft for a few weeks, um, you can kind of get yourself, you can get, you can hit the ground running without having to build a whole deck up from scratch. Um, and also, the other thing I like about this, beyond the whole connecting the play styles together, is that it allows you to extend on the law of the plane a little bit. Like yeah. you only get one set of a courier. And I've, I'm looking, looking at just even at the um, the first, like you know, the, the legendary creatures of the set. It gives expansion on the set without having to do a second set for the set. Well, I've just said set three times. There we go. We've got commander deck and set. In the, in the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I playing, completely uh, agree. Podcast drinking games. Um, you're all probably pretty fucked by now. Yeah, um, enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I agree. I think it is a lot easier nowadays to jump into commander just because it's such more recognised format. Like when you got into it, it was it was kind of only really recognised in very niche circles. When I got into it, which was about a year and a half later, it was starting to gain traction. Um, I'm by no way a, a magic hipster. I got into commander when it started to get popular, but I was there at the kind of sort of first really commercial aspects of it um and then yeah i think nowadays it's just it's just super recognizable i think more new magic players if say if, if your introduction to magic was kind of friday night magic sort of standard if just for the argument's sake i think more of those players would understand what commander is more than they'd understand say what modern is or legacy so i think it's a lot more i think it's a lot more inbuilt into magic nowadays and i think the cards that are available readily available are a lot more powerful plus as you said yeah, yeah. having these commander decks that are, are, are tied into the sets now um yeah it's going to make it 20 times easier it also allows them to kind of flex on the ideas. Um, when I said, because I just said about like the expansion on the law, and um, you get to see a little bit more of the plane. But you also get to kind of see um, the game kind of flex within the within the plane outside of the normal limited mechanic mechanics. Like so, you're able to have all of these. Um, you're able to bring back all of these different keywords from sets gone by because. Um, they work synergistically with the set anyway, but it would be confusing for new players to have, you know, 20 different keywords in, in yeah. every set. It's bad enough having all the keyword counters and everything. So it allows them to kind of go, well, if, if Devour was in Akoria, which it probably would be looking at the set, I mean, it does feel a little bit jundy at times. Um, it allows them to bring some, back, um, bring, bring some um, uh, keywords back and kind of do some new interesting things with them. Um, so yeah, I think, it's, I, think, I think it's quite cool. I think, yeah. it's, I think, I think they're quite quite nice and also the fact the formatting of the five different wedges works really well for a five a five set um commander 
product. And like the difference between this and say the commander product we're going to get with um, Zendikar is that Zendikar, you'll get new commanders, but the rest of the decks are going to be reprints. Um, whereas with this, obviously, they, they printed a load of new cards to come out with the set as well. Yeah. So, cool. So how do you want to do this then? How do you want to jump in? Uh, right. So, um, a re- so let's, let's talk a little bit about... Um, so, so each individual deck, basically. We'll talk a little bit about each individual deck um, because um, they do follow the same kind of themes that we talked about um, from the wedges uh, from the main Aquarius set. Um, so you've got... Um, the Mardu set kind of still runs with tokens um, and human themes. Um, the um, the uh, Tima deck um, still works with spells um, and spell slinging. Um, there is an aspect of that with the with the Tima color wedge um, in the in the Aquarius set. Um, Cathril works with um, graveyard synergies. That's the Abzan one. Um, Garvey still works with cycling. Obviously, cycling is um, one of the main mechanics in Aquaria. Um, and then the Soltai, the Orimi deck, um, works with mutate. So it does take the two main key, um, the two the two main um, keyword themes of being cycling mutate they have decks you've still got the human theme for the mardu so that's got a deck so it, basically each of each of the decks has a direct correlation to the Akoria um lair of behemoth set yeah sure. um, which, which works quite nicely the, the flagship um generals anyway have a very direct link to the Akoria set the secondary um legendaries will do something a little bit quirky as they want to do um but let's talk about should we talk about each general as we go by um yeah one, sure one, well yeah uno, uno by uno yeah, let's do it. So we've got, um, we've, I mean, I don't want to don't sh- say so many words to you um, this episode, otherwise it'll get a bit bulky. Um, I've got a little list of all of the things that I kind of want to touch on in terms of what I think is interesting from year by year. Um, and so at the beginning, we'll just talk a little bit about the, 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 the legends, but I'm not going to go into every single one of them because that's a lot of text and a lot of things to pay attention to. Well, I think at this um, point in time, uh, all of the deck lists are up and sort of revealed now. So there's no like spoilers anymore for the commander decks. So if you want to look through the commander decks of your own volition, um, they are all up on there. I have in front of me, I've got MTG Goldfish with the uh, the commander deck lists all up. And I think there are a lot of very high value reprints. There are a lot of new cards because they are tying it to the set. But I mean, yeah, the the heart and soul of these decks as it is with every commander deck does lie in its kind of suite of legendaries because there are some mm. new cards which we'll get to i'm sure um which are new because they need to print these into the commander format but they don't necessarily sync up super well with the deck itself and they do this on purpose when they make commander decks they don't make them you know seven and eight super highly tuned they make them you know four five and six like you know they're they're considered like deck builds and they do work together but they're not like super super tuned out so yeah the the legendaries is where it's at so i think that's a good place for you to go yeah of course all right so jarina kudrow who i believe is um going to be relations to uh, the general from the main set i don't know yes. if we actually i don't know i don't know if we i've, I've yet to finish them but i don't know if we hear about jarina within the novel or not um, um i can tell you and it's not a spoiler i can tell you she is in there and she is general okay. Kudrow's daughter Cool, lovely. So it's nice to see. Um, it's nice to see that connection of you see the dad, and also the fact that the dad's um, is the dad. He is a mythic as well, isn't he? Actually, no, he is a mythic. Yeah, General yeah, Kudrow. Right. Who's I was going to say it's funny that the daughter's the daughter's rarer than the, than the father is, but I think they're both actually mythics. Um, so yeah, it's quite nice to see that little synergy across the family, and the same way that we saw um, Teferi's mum. I think it was in the Teferi's um, daughter. Is it daughter? Sorry, of course, of course, it's his daughter. His mum's like thousands upon thousands. Yeah, it's Teferi's daughter, who is uh, like physically only about ten years younger than Teferi is, uh, or they're roughly the same age by the time that we see her, because obviously he's he's all young with yeah. time magic. Anyway, that's the fairy. That's the fairy. Jarina Jarina Kudrow, who's the Mardu yeah. commander. Yeah. So so when she enters the battlefield, you create a one-one white 
a human creature token, um, sorry, human soldier creature token for each time you've cast your command from the command zone. Other humans you control get plus two, plus zero. Um, it's a three, three for one red, white, black. Um, I actually think this is probably the weakest out of all five of them out of the box in terms of like, um, it probably plays really, really well. Um, coming from like a Mardu, a tacky, combaty based um, deck runner. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if plus two, plus zero to all your other humans. I mean, don't be wrong, out of the box, these probably play really well together balance-wise. Aggro, when you go into the big wide world of, 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 of constructed commander, is a lot tougher to pull off. And I don't necessarily think this is actually... I don't, even, in a, even in a format where I play partners, I play Mardu partners, um, I don't think this is going to be good enough. Um, I think making a board for what, like an army in the can aspect, I think it's really, really good for this um, deck because it's going to have a lot of sacrifice effects and everything in it. So I think that does work quite nicely in creating a board. But I think there are better options for you out there. I think it should be all right in the 99. Um, if you've got like a cheap, um, say like a Alesha deck or something like that, where you're likely to be casting her a few times because she's going to get killed. Um, I don't think it's a bad option. Um, but I think probably out of all the five straight away, I don't like her as much. Um, sure. I, think that I, mean... her sec I think her secondary is a lot more interesting. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, plus two, plus zero, if you're looking to create a board state which you can defend from is, isn't good enough. But I will say that her whole feel and the whole feel of this deck in general is that you're kind of, you're throwing your soldiers, you're throwing your resources at the enemy and then kind of you allow them to die. Like there are, there are cards in here like Garner the Blood Flame, which is the Rakdos legendary that can bring things back to your hand from the graveyard if they died this turn. You know, there's this kind mm. of aristocrats feel. So yeah, I think the plus two plus zero is less about you creating this army that you can kind of keep pushing your opponents and it's more about like forming this this Hail Mary that you just chuck all your resources at in one go let them die and get benefits from it so yeah i think yeah mardu's an aristocrats kind of kind of feel i always i always think like my mardu yeah. deck is an aristocrats deck um so yeah that, that's that's the feeling i kind of get from her anyway yeah so her um lieutenant as i'm gonna say so basically each deck has uh two um wedge colored um mythics and then they have each each uh, deck has a partner a partner with pair um so the lieutenant for um, the mardu deck is kelsey and the plague um, not only is that a really, really cool name, yeah. um, it's a, a red, white, black, 2-2 two, two human assassin. Um, it's got vigilance and haste. Um, it gets a plus one, plus one for each experience counter you have. Um, it has a tap ability. So tap Kelsian deals one damage to target creature you don't control. When that creature dies this turn, you get an experience counter. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm glad they put the you, can, you don't control bit in there because before I read that bit, I was like, oh. I mean, don't get me wrong. You can kind of scope everything. It's still just another beta. Uh, that, like, this is the, the thing about the Mardu deck. Like, uh, it's a little bit, um, I think, hampering to it. I mean, it would probably be like the Mardu um, Markov, um, um, the Markov deck. Um, I think I think it will end up <laughs> being really powerful. Um, but um, it's. I, I like the ping ability. I think it's very clever. I think the idea is obviously if you do like, a, if you have like kill spells and stuff in your hand, you can tap to deal the one damage to get in beforehand to get the experience counters. Um, and then the fact it's a vigilance and haste. Is really, I guess, is really good because you never lose the experience counters. So if you build up like two or three experience counters on this, um, it's not even that expensive as a, of a commander. But if you get like two or three experience counters on this, having a seven-seven or, or or an eight-eight in your command zone that can come out and attack immediately, um, and it can tap immediately for what it's worth as well. Um, so you know, could you, could you theoretically of... with this? Could you say if you already had a few experience counters on it, could you attack in with vigilance? Um, mm. They declare blockers, and then after mm. the declare blocker step tap it to ping the thing that's blocking you so the damage still yeah, yeah. backs on yeah 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 100 percent. i think that's, part of, that's definitely part that's definitely part of the um the the play style for him um or her him him her i'm not sure hard to him. tell 
yeah, no, there's no, there's no, there's no obvious things, and they're wearing really cool masks. You can't really see that face. I think, yeah, I like, I like assassins in magic. I think there should be more sort of notable assassins, and, and Kelsey's yeah. definitely getting there for me. Yeah. So the um, so continuing the theme of um of, of tokens, you, their their partner um their their partner with pair is Silver and Trin. Silver Devourer of the Free, Trin Champion of, of Freedom. We mm-hmm. had to pick these guys up not because I'm I'm not going to talk about length. I'm not going to talk at length about them apart from the fact that um, the partner pairs are, are, are I'm not going to say considerably less powerful, but they're less uh, potent than the um, tricolor cards. Not only are the tricolor cards more potent because they're tricolor, but the partners do feel a little bit watered down. I feel like they've deliberately taken a step back ever since the um, the partner mechanics came, came out in the original set and everyone had a lot to say about it. I think sure, really well, yeah. I mean, they, had, back. they had the partner mechanics in, in the Commander product, didn't they? Which I think was it was 20... 13 i think it was or 2014 uh, doesn't yeah. really matter. um so they had those partners and everyone's obviously yeah as you say some of those combinations are just completely broken and then they had the partner widths in battle bond mm. uh which were like two monocolored creatures and then they kind of split the difference here i think these ones because they're still partner with like the battle, battle bond pairs they are different colors from each other all of the different ones are different colors so for example mm. trin champion of freedom is white and then her partner with uh, Silvar Durar of the Free is black uh, red, which I think is a really interesting dynamic. But I do feel that whilst they're not as overtly powerful on their own as the partners from the Commander product, they do they are more nuanced and they are more flexible than the partner widths from Battle Bond. So I think mm. they've hit a nice sort of middle ground for me. That's what, how I feel about them anyway. Yeah, and it also encapsulates the bond uh, the bonding aspect of um, Ikoria, the fact that all of the so all of the um, so you got two color beasts we'll call them the, the animals the night the monsters, monsters whatever they're called monsters um, in the uh, Korea yeah. book and then they've got the, um, the, the, the the bonders as the single colour human companion that goes yeah. along with them um, there is a bit of a disconnect in terms of like flavour wise I'm not entirely sure so if Trin's champion of freedom so the yeah. white one but Silver's Devour of the Free. Does yeah. that mean that she's just taking people out of the city and feeding them to, <laughs> to well, I mean, if, if we, if, Yeah, if we look at her, uh, her ability, she makes soldiers right she makes soldier yeah. tokens and then yeah silver devour of the free is sacrifice human put a one-one counter on silver devour yeah. of the free so, I think, so yeah she's cr- she cries wolf every well cries cat because a cat nightmare silver but she cries cat every night and because she has to be attacking to get the one one she should be she, she goes go goes hey let's go and attack this uh let's go let's go and kill this monster and we'll goes yeah all right yeah let's go and do that that'll be great and she goes ah troll eat him thanks. do you think that's what it is i think it's I, I, tragic yeah, yeah, i think i think i think she's a little shyster no, no, no. I think she's, as opposed to all the other Bonders and their monsters in this set, which they seem to be kind of like this friendly pair, I think she's beset by Silver. I think she's bonded to it and is trying to like fight for freedom. But every time she does, she has this like demon, this nightmare cat that comes out and eats all of our allies when she's trying to do good. And it's just there to torment her forever because she's intrinsically bonded to it. I think that's what's going on. Oh, okay. So you think it's an you think it's um a, a, an, an unwanted bond? Yeah, I think the cat is the that's is that's the so evil horrible. One. Like, I love you so much. No one else can have you. I eat all of your friends. Nom, nom, yes, nom. yes. Good, fantastic. <laughs> Good. Oh, I like that. Cool. Yeah. All right, so moving on to the uh, the teamer, uh, we've got Calamax the Storm Sire. Um, this is a one blue, red, green for a legendary. Oh, pardon me. Legendary creature, elemental dinosaur. Um, we've got a, a lightning stegosaurus, Sandy. It looks really. <laughs> yeah, cool. it's very cool. Um, the artwork is brilliant. Whenever you cut. Whenever you cast your first instant spell each turn, if Calamax the Storm Sire is tapped, copy that spell, you may choose new targets for the copy. Whenever you cast an instant spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on Calamax, and it's a 4-4. Four, four. 
Um, I, I, I don't mind this. I, don't, I think it's a little bit better than, well, not better, but I think that it's a, a slicker version of Riku if you wanted to go the spell slinger route mm-hmm. um, because you can put in some uh, tap abilities. Um, very, very, there are loads of different ways to add like artifacts or enchantments to your deck that can tap your creatures down. So you don't even necessarily have to be attacking to have that tapped clause um, be met. Um, and then it is each turn. So you can do something on your turn that's someone on everyone else's turns to get double up effects. If you're playing Teamer, you're probably playing a load of... Uh, they're probably playing a load of counter spells and burn magic and that kind of thing anyway. Um, what I'd say in this deck is definitely try and get hold of some instant speed ramp um, because uh, then you can double up your instant speed ramp and then Teema loves having loads of lands in play. I like yeah. this. It's a bit more generic, basically. It doesn't have... Um, it sure. does, the te- the Teema wedge in, in Korea had the same kind of thing. Right? It just felt kind of good stuffy. Just like good stuffs. Just play more spells. Play yeah, more I mean, what I like about that. this is that it because spell slinger. If you're if you're doing a creature deck which has spell slinging as its kind of support or vice versa, usually what happens is is that you cast an instant or sorcery and then your uh, sort of pyromancer's young pyromancer or your talrand will create tokens for you, right? So that's the payoff. Mm-hmm. Or you have something like a crackling drake or an enigma drake which gets bigger and buffs up due to the amount of stuff you have in your graveyard. Mm-hmm. Or there's some kind of temporary effect like um prowess for example what i like about or kiln fiend yeah yeah, yeah. so they, yeah, yeah. that's kind of where they've always stuck they have like various themes and stuff but what they haven't done yet is a permanent buff in the form of counters on something that's already quite a big body um i really like that i like the idea is that they've kind of they've got this spell slinger buff thing which they've been doing for a while but they've they've mm they've retrofitted it to be into an Acoria feel, which is sticking 1-1 counters on this giant fucking electro dinosaur. Like, I really like it. I think it's really cool. Yeah, yeah no, I like it a lot as well. Um, his uh, lieutenant is Zeris. Why they put X's sometimes in words just to make Zeris. the card look quite... Yeah, no, is it, yeah Zeris, right? Yeah. The Rising Storm. Um, this is a snake leviathan. And yeah. the other thing I don't like, understand is that are most Leviathan snakeish? Anyway, well, well, yeah, well, no, no, no. I, I get you. I get you completely. It's like calling something a snake worm. You're like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like is Simic Sky Swallower a snake Leviathan? I don't. I, I don't think it is. Um, one second, let's have a quick check. Active, active. No, it's just a Leviathan, and it looks mm. just a snake. Anyway, whatever. This is the set of weird mechanic um, of weird uh, creature typings. Um, so it's a two, two blue. Two blue, green, red for a 3-5 flying legendary snake leviathan. Whenever an opponent draws a card, except for the first one they draw each turn, um, create a 1-1 one, one green snake creature token. Yeah, snake. Whenever Xeris Zer- whenever deals combat damage to a player, you and that player each draw that many cards. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, the, 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 very nice. Yeah, it's very nice. Cool, I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like the fact that they've actually done like a set. I mean, I've seen Snake Tribal isn't isn't. It? I mean, because you can't, <laughs> it doesn't count. Nuggets. Um, doesn't count. Snake, nuggets, tri- snake Tribal gets one more one more legendary d- that you can get away with running your blue your blue snakes in now. Fantastic, mm-hmm. awesome. Adds um, in a color like, as well. I like the punishment punisher effects. I like that a lot. Um, I like I like running. Um, I flashed in. <laughs> I flashed in a notion thief against my house mate playing my two lane deck the other day. <laughs> I'll tell you what, mate. I'll tell you what. All I did for the rest of that game was make sure that flash, uh, that um, that um, uh, thought. Well, I've, I've, literally, I've got so happy. Notion thief. There we go. Um, I had to spend the entire game keeping notion thief alive, and I just oh, yeah. came off of that. That sounds like a fun um, game. Yeah. Well, it, it, look, I'm playing against two lane. <laughs> okay. I had to do what I had to do. What I had to do. Um, so yeah, creating one one snakes makes really good, especially against um. If everyone on the table is is like something like forgetting the fact that you have the attack trigger of where not only are you drawing three cards and the, and the other pen, opponents drawing three cards, you can create nice um, 
politic moments with this as well. Mm -hmm. If you want your opponent to draw three cards, yeah, you get three snakes and they're taking three damage and you get to draw three cards. But like, you're like, hey, if, if, you, if I attack you with this 3-5 flying, just so I can get some tokens, so I can block these other, these other, these other douchebags at the table, you know? And like, how about you and I both draw three cards? How about that? And like, how about if I pump it, we draw seven cards each? How about, how? And you can create almost this little like, dichotomy. You can play all of like, your, your uh, power-increasing effects on the nonsense in green anyway. You can have these little moments where you go, how many cards do you want to draw, buddy? I mean, you have to take some damage, but how many cards do you <laughs> well, want Well, I mean, to life draw? is a resource, isn't it? Like, yeah. Yeah, you've got, you've it's not watch like out he's for the getting bigger yeah, it's not like he's getting bigger and bigger, like um, like the um, like Calamax of where you had encounters on each time. Like he's still only a three five, so the fact that you're getting one ones and your guy's not getting bigger and bigger, and you're just getting some blockers. I, I imagine once once you've hit someone for seven, you get seven one ones and draw seven cards. They might not let you do it again. Yeah, but, sure. Um, but I like the, the shimmy and shake of this is quite cool. The fact it's called the Writhing Storm as well. It, cre it creates that kind of like, oh, what do I do? Do I do I do I let you through? Uh, yeah, nice. Writhing yeah. decisions for the Writhing Storm. The uh, uh, the, the partner. Go on. Oh, I was, was, no, was going to say the, the artwork by Philip Burnham uh, is not only is a great artwork, but it also shows uh, one of the cities on Ikoria, which we don't really see throughout the story too much. So there are three Sky cities. Um, yeah. Sky Sail is the name of the city. Sky Sail. We've okay. got Sky Sail, Lava Bridge, and Dranith. And uh, Lava Bridge and Sky Sail are kind of secondary locations. So it's really nice to see it on a legendary uh, creature in the command set. As you say, mm. it's kind of exploring and expanding the lore in a really nice way. So yeah, just, just thought I'd drop that in. Yeah. Plus, yeah, as you say, I did. I did mention like the artworks. Um, across, uh, the artwork for Zerus is really, really nice. Really oh yeah, yeah. Philip Burnham did um, a fantastic job. So the partner with is Paco Arcane Retriever. This is three uh, red green for a haste three three. And um, when it attacks, you exile the top card of each player's library. Put a fetch counter on each of them. Put a plus one, plus one on Paco. Yeah, fetch the thing. Um, and you put a plus one plus one counter on Paco for each non-creature card exiled this way. Um, the partner with it is Haldan, Avid Arcanist. Um, he's 1-4. You may play non-creature cards from Exile with fetch counters on them if you exiled them, and you may play any mana. You may play mana of, as if it was any mana to cast them. Um, my only gripe with this, not only, like, sure. all of the, yes, they may fetch happen. Amazing. I love this dog. This dog is the, the best boy. Um, yeah, he's very cute. A, you just run this as a gruel dog deck, so you don't worry about having the partner with. Fuck it. I mean, you don't need it. <laughs> um, the only reason I think you'd want to is because uh, you'd want to run the Chakram um, Retriever and Chakra Slinger um, from um, the from I mean, Battle Bonds. I'd still, I'd still keep it as a partner with and do it as like a, a man's best friend deck or something like that. Because then you can have mm. all the dogs and all of their like sort of partners and owners, couldn't you? Yeah, all the Bow Wows. The only thing is, Halden's the only one that doesn't really do anything by itself. Every every other command, like all the humans, tend to be a little more lackluster than the the the, than the, the nightmare monsters. Shockingly, because they're two colours and they're super pokey abilities but it feels like the uh, humans are like the lesser part of this the this one yeah this one's definitely a much more uh, sort of symbiotic relationship you couldn't run either of these as like a you couldn't really run them on their own even in other decks mm -hmm. I don't think yeah no, exactly they can do stuff on their own yeah but even in my um, even in my Maelstrom under a deck which wants to cast stuff off other people's ivories I don't think this is going to find a way in um, the only thing is it's fetch counter super cute cool lovely yes. um, okay, moving on to the um, Abzan you've got Cathriel Aspect Warper um, we yeah about my boy last week because um, and you're going to be building a deck around this, aren't you, Andy? I'm, I, I've already made a, a prototype deck on, on Tapped Out. Started off with 146 cards. I'm now down to 116. So I'm getting there. I'm getting there very, very slowly. Um, mm. But yeah, this is, this is my jam. This is, what I, this is what I live for. This kind of play starts great. Yeah. So it's a 3-3. Whenever it enters the battlefield, put a flying counter on any creature you control. If a creature card in your graveyard has flying, repeat this for first strike, double strike, death touch, hex proof, indestructible, lifelink, menace, reach, trample, vigilance. Yeah. Right up, right then put a plus one, plus one counter on casual creature <laughs> counter, put onto a creature this way. 
Um, so yeah, like love, lovely grave, graveyard synergies. So lots of uh, dumping um, keywords, keyword soup creatures into your graveyard and stuff. Like, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk too much. But I'm excited to see what your deck's gonna look like. Well, I mean, um, but yeah, I, this, uh, this it gives you so much options, so uh, so many. Options. This this deck, I mean, I've been I've been listening to a lot of other um, sort of either content creators or deck builders or whatever talk about all these different decks. And when they talk about all the other ones, uh, the other four decks, they've got nice ideas and all this kind of thing, and they are very interesting. But this is the one deck out of all of them which people are excited to get cards which have very little rele- relevance in Commander to start having relevance in Commander. So like everyone's favorite vampire, Vampire Nighthawk, that is going to suddenly be really like important in this deck because a car it was kind of <sighs> vampire nighthawk the problem is is that it, it it looks really good on paper and it almost gets into every deck build which wants vampires almost or almost gets there with 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 decks that want creatures that are utility but then always gets cut for something else that has a bit more because it relevance. is just a dude because it is just a dude whereas in this deck the almost there is good enough because then all of the keywords for the keyword soup with the catheter trigger is just perfect and there are lots of different cards which are almost there which look really splashy and fun from like olden days of magic or from like kitchen table magic that suddenly become very potent in this deck and i think yeah i think it's going to be a fan favorite out of all the other decks i think this is the one where we're going to see lots of different builds because there are so yeah. many counter matters there are so many keyword matters there's so many graveyard matter strategies that people can make casual decks however the fuck they want and they'll all be good you know i'm i'm very excited yeah and they will see we had rayami recently with the salt the salt type build out for morph deck and i think it's mm. quite good to take away the take away the blue mill side of it because yeah okay blue's got some interesting stuff but add in the white because you've got all of like white white adds, white has its own like graveyard synergy anyway well, Gorgari Plus, does a yeah. good job at self mill anyway so yeah yeah, so I think it's I think that's fine. I think it's, it's very it's a very cool very cool card. Plus, giving making your uh, making your commander a six six flying death touch lifelink from one card is pretty decent. So good yep. job, Nighthawk. And then good it doesn't job. even doesn't even matter if it dies because then Catherine goes back to your your command zone. You put another mm-hmm. creature on the battlefield. You recast Catherine, and suddenly the whole process starts all over again. Like yeah, it's, yeah. yeah make sure you, make sure you run some graveyard protection though, Andy. Yeah. Oh yeah, shit. Right, yeah. I'm going to have to go back up to about 120 cards now. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just in case you hadn't thought of that, make sure you run some graveyard protection because that's uh, that, that graveyard probably going bye-bye at some point. Yeah. Um, All right, yeah, good. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah, speaking from someone who plays Merrin and having to run off, run off of, a, of, of a graveyard of only three cards with only four cards left in your library, you, I know the hate. I understand the hate. Um, right, because the Tyam is the Lieutenant, um, the Luminous Enigma. Um, this is a 3-3 legendary nightmare beast for one white, black, green. Um, each other creature you control enters the battlefield with a, an additional vigilance counter on it. Um, three, um, no tap, just three mana. Remove three counters from among creatures you control for the top three cards of your library into your graveyard. Then return a permanent with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Mm. Lots of threes. One, two, three, yeah. four, five. Five threes. Five threes in there. Already, anyway, um, this isn't. This, I mean, this is kind of cool because it's just um, play more into the, the graveyards um, aspect of it. Otherwise, not particularly crazy cool. Um, there is some vigilance stuff and keyword abilities um, that obviously play within Corey. I think this is just a way to potentially use those if you want to make a vigilance stack. Okay, you got a vigilance stack now. Enjoy. Um, otherwise, not particularly interesting. Um, I think this is yeah. This is definitely going to be the the commander for people who like the Cathral deck. But I think Cathral as a creature, when people see that hit the battlefield, it's going to draw a lot of attention. Whereas mm. Tayam is a bit more of a kind of sit back commander. Like no one's really yeah. going to waste removal on this guy, but it no. helps facilitate your deck a lot. So I think yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is a good alternate. The only thing I'd say is because it doesn't have a tap ability, there's a good way to go infinite and uh, make infinite colorless matter, which you can do in any number of ways in Magic: The Gathering. Mm. Um, 
if you make infinite mana, you, I mean, I guess you have to, you have limitations on removing counters from your creatures. I'm sure there are combos because I'm sure you can just go infinite mana, use walking ballista to give yourself infinite counters and then use those infinite counters in infinite mana to draw your deck and put everything in. Well, I mean, yeah, blah, well, blah, 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 blah. in this deck, you can fit the Heliod hangabout walk combo in, couldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm. boom, easy, easy peasy. So, so yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, I look at it because it looks a bit plain vanillary, but that can easily be broken. And the fact that it looks plain vanillary and can be broken probably makes it quite an interesting deck. If someone's running this, their commander, they're probably playing something underpowered or playing something very broken. Mm. Um, and I don't mind that metric. Um, I'm not going to talk about their uh, partner with particularly quickly because I don't think it's that much. It's not that interesting. It's not that interesting. Really, I think this one's pretty good. Don't you, you like you like this one? Yeah. Right. Go on. Okay, yeah. Well, cool, I want to hear what you want to say, and then I'll then I'll. Argue. Okay. Right. So Yannick, uh, scavenging sentinel, two green white um, for a three three legendary creature, hyena beast with. Yeah. Um, I mean, take it wrong. It looks cool. I'm not gonna say it doesn't look cool. Also, out of all of the beasts that should be beasts, hyena is as close as we come to a beast that's already a bloody beast. I'm sorry. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Um, I get you. Right. So when it, when it enters the battlefield, um, X are another creature you control until Yannick leaves the battlefield. When you do distribute X plus one plus one counters um, on any number of creatures, where X is that exile creature's power. Um, so basically you can pick up a 6-6, six, six, distribute six counters around, and then when Yannick goes, the 6-6 six, six comes back again. Mm -hmm. um, okay, I mean, I, I, that's fine. Very cool. I find interesting, I guess. And then you've got Nikara, Lair Scavenger, two and a black for a legendary creature, Human Cleric. Um, or Cleric for those that, that are paying attention to clerics. Um, good. An extra Cleric for you. Whenever another, another creature you control leaves the battlefield, they've had one or more counters on it, you draw a card and you lose one life. Um, yeah. I guess actually, um, I guess the, set, the setup between these is quite cool because you can so play I the think... Hyena... Get rid of a six-six. Dump a load of counters around on all of your all of your board. So at this point, yeah. you've got a big six-six, and you've got a board. Yeah. And then you play Nakara, um, and then someone has to kill all of your creatures with the counters on them. And then you can maybe draw some cards and lose some life. Uh -huh. Or if you're playing in the in an Abzan deck, which wants stuff in their graveyard, you can sacrifice stuff to it. I think she's she's less interesting on her own. But uh, Yannick, the hyena because you could fit that into something like I mean, imagine that in a rune deck, for example, or or another sort of blink deck which has green and white. In it. That's pretty interesting. Mm, I guess I think the problem is it's four four mana get rid of your own thing. Four mana get rid of, you get rid of your own that, thing that is that interesting. Thing. Yeah, because and then you need then you need a board for your thing to be worth it. So I think I like Nakara in terms of if I was to play Nakara, I'd probably be playing Nakara without Yannick. Nakara in the um, in the Cathedral deck works really well because you've got counts on all your stuff. Mm. Um, but I don't think you need the hyena to make Nakara good. I think Nakara is good outside of. If you're using the hyena to enable Nakara, you're having to jump through too many hoops. I suppose so, but in my, also, in my mind. But also, I think of something that we actually don't give enough credit for with any partner card is that they can fetch up each other. So I think if I'm playing one, I always want to be playing the other just so I can fetch it up. I know it's a little. Uh, thing, see, what about I, if you're, yeah, but what if you're playing a mono? What if you, yeah, but see, Nakara because she's only single, um, only black, she can fit into more decks, and she can fit into decks that so you might not necessarily like. You have to run Absent if you're running these two, and if you're mm. running Absent and you're running these two, I think you're probably playing suboptimally. I think true. I mean, I, in my yeah. mind, obviously, I'm not saying optimism is always the best. Thing. I'm just saying realistically, I don't think the fact that the two of them, the fact that Yannick kind of, there's a lot going on between the two of them. Mm. I just don't think that they're. I mean, and this, I'm saying this across all of the partners. I don't think the partners are particularly strong. I think they've deliberately dialed them back to be synergistic and interesting, but not necessarily too powerful, which is exactly what we need from partners. <laughs> I mean, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's necessarily a mistake if that is the case. I do no. think that making them three colors essentially between the two of them is a lot healthier um, yeah because especially i mean things like things in commander obviously the the partners from the old commander product which were a myriad of different color combinations um they weren't just monocolor creatures obviously means that they're a little bit broken because you can mix and match 
Mm. The fact that these guys have to go with each other, but they still have the flexibility of having all these different colors. If they were to head up a deck, for example, means that you can have, instead of having a commander deck, which has one strategy and then a sub strategy, you have a commander deck, which has a lot of different little avenues. I think that's, that's interesting. Opens up yeah. the building space. Yeah, I think it's a shame that the um, old, the other partners got such a bad rap. And it's, realistically, it's only like two of them. It's only really Thrasios and Timler that, that I would say are powerful enough cards by themselves that you could run them as individual commanders. And at that point, then where's the opportunity cost of adding another couple of uh, another couple of colours, another couple of <laughs> cards into? You know, that's I think that was the same thing with Lutri. The, the opportunity cost wasn't high enough. Mm. Um, and with these, the opportunity cost is pretty high because you're having to shoehorn yourself into a very specific archetype and, and, and way of playing. And I, again, I think that having the two extra cards for in your hand. Don't go wrong. I play three different partner decks in in EDH, so I understand the, the joy of having a nine car, card hand at the beginning of the game. Um, I just don't necessarily think that these are. Uh, these won't necessarily always be your best options, but uh, you know that's fine. I mean, considering we're now moving on to Shabraz, <laughs> the Sky Shark is the next one. But before we get there, oh, um, let's yeah. talk about our lovely little cat, uh, cat, cat, um, cat dragon, a uh, cat dinosaur mother, um, Garvey. And um, so this is the this is the card where Gavin noticed that his name was technically in the card name at the beginning. Um, oh, no, this Garvey was specifically Nestor. designed for it. I oh, no, no, I think it was the other way around. They they pl- they placed the name in, and then he noticed it, and then they didn't change. So it was already called Garvey Nestward, and then he noticed, hey, this is Gavin. And they went, oh, cool, yeah, well, we'll definitely leave it that, as that then. Oh. Yeah. I don't think it, it, it wasn't like with Marrow, where Marrow wanted specifically a card with his name in the set. I think that it was a little cute thing that he saw that his name was, in, was in, the, in the card, and they'd specifically kept it because of that. If they were going to change it, they deliberately weren't going to. Oh, um, it's, it's the story I've heard. Um, mm. I've read around the internet. I might be very wrong. I'm not much for rumor mongering. Um, but anyway, <laughs> it's a two blue, red, white for a two-five legendary creature, human shaman. Um, you may pay zero rather than pay the cycling cost for the first card you cycle each turn. Um, whenever you draw your second card each turn, create a two-two red and white dinosaur cat creature token. Um, so to reiterate from last week, yes, the tokens are utterly delightful. They are indeed. Um, they're great. Again, we we comment each turn, so you can so the fact you can cycle a card on on, on every turn, um, four times a turn cycle potentially. Um, is for free is, is pretty nut but it's the fact you'll be drawing a second um, you'll, you'll definitely be drawing a card um, sorry getting a 2-2 on your turn if you cycle on your turn because you'll be drawing a card for your turn as well if you can cycle two cards in someone else's turn you get another token as well I like the fact that this is a little bit like a card but on a different axis yeah um, yeah okay the, spirit, the spirits aren't flying and yeah you can't burn them for mana and yeah it's not for every non-creature spell but you can do things like Decree of Annihilation for free Sure. Make every make everyone's like time. Decree of Annihilation, by the way, is the one that destroys all of the uh, destroys all the lands if you cycle it. I think it's destroy all lands, artifacts, enchantments, blah 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 blah. If you pay it for its ten mana cost, but if you cycle it for, uh, for six mana, um, which obviously you could do for free off of Garvey, you destroy all lands instead. Mm. So there's going to be some people doing some nice things out there with that. Um, this is obnoxious. You can do some really cl- in the same way with Anya of where discarding um, and drawing a card okay yeah it's not that it's not unpowerful especially on a commander card it's quite nice to have that little bit of choice um the fact that then you untap with every madness card then you can turn your deck into a turbo storm deck um out of of rakdos and you can go absolutely crazy using things i mean yeah you can go the um uh, world gorger dragon combo which is probably what you're going to do anyway you're going to be digging to that but the fact you can fill out your deck with essentially sit like 35 40 different madness cards and go through half your deck in one turn out of rakdos deck's pretty cool same thing with this if you just barrel a load of um, cycling cards in it and then have some um, win conditions, you know, tucked in there, um, two-card win conditions. You can basically burn through your entire deck, draw a load of cards, get a load of tokens and, mm-hmm. and, and profit that way. So I think she's quite strong. I think that's why we put, they put her at five mana. 
um, as well. Yes, she's a two five as well, which is a nice ass on on a creature like yeah. that as well. Sometimes. What did you just say? Did you just say that Carvey is a nice ass? I said you the bastard. creature has you, a nice ass. You, you live with your wife, Andy man. She's gonna hear this. I don't know if you. I don't know if she can feasibly get jealous over a, a bit of cardboard. But there we go. Also, I, I just have, uh, yeah, I don't know. Some, yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, yeah, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> you know, just, I'm kind no, of don't, don't dig that again. hole, Jesus. Um, <laughs> to, 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 right, so we've got Akim, the, the Soaring Wind. <laughs> um, Akim, the Soaring Wind is the lieutenant, um, the Jessica lieutenant, two blue, red, white for a three, four flying bird dinosaur. Now, I'm sorry, this is, weren't all dinosaurs, weren't all birds originally from dinosaurs? Yeah. <laughs> I've only literally I've only just crossed that I've only just crossed my thought Wizards, oh no I mean I'm not going to knock the artwork again actually it's by Philip Burnham um, it's, yeah, it's, really, really, like, it's really reduced it's minimalistic isn't it yeah, it feels it, like an old it, school card yeah which is really cool and it does look badass but also it does look like it could just be a bird or a dinosaur do you know what I mean I, like, yeah I also, I also think this is one of those artworks where this could have not been a legendary and I wouldn't have linked Yes, I do agree with that. Actually, looking at it, it does sort of think this could have just been called like Territorial Aerosaur or something, and yeah. it would have been nice. Yeah, good, good job on the good job on the name. Yeah, see, wizards, if you're listening, I can name cards. Um, <laughs> I can name cards. Um, <laughs> so it's a three. Yeah, so three, four, um, three, four flying. Um, whenever you create one or more tokens for the first time each turn, there's a lot of each turns in this. By the way, they expect you to be doing things. Um, just a quick segue. There's a lot of any time you see the word each turn, it's encouraging you to do things on your opponent's turn, which for newer commander players is really important. Don't just play your sorcery speed effects and expect them to survive. You mm. need to be playing interaction. You need to be playing on your opponent's turns. This is kind of teaching you to do so. God, um, commander games, commander games for this set are just going to take fucking forever, aren't they? Because everyone's yeah. going to be playing on everyone else's turn. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's going to be new, and they're not going to know what their cards do, and the deck's going to be new, so no one else is going to know what anyone else's cards oh, do. It's going to be great. What, it's gonna be what a terrible meta, Jesus. <laughs> Um, and so yeah whenever you create one or more tokens for the first time each turn create a 1-1 one, one white bird creature token with flying um, three blue red white and there's an activated ability um, to give creature tokens you control double strike until end of turn um, so I run a Kakar deck this is very close I think it's very close to coming in if the 1-1s one, were spirits obviously um, it's basically then just an anointed procession for the deck but yeah I like this I like this a lot I think this is a good way to um, you could play your spell singer as you said the, the um, young Pyromancer, Murmuring Mystic kind of decks, mm. Tower End decks would run this in a heartbeat um, because you're currently you're then generating loads of tokens. Also, the fact they're flying as well, so the fact they're playing from someone who plays a spell slinger token generating deck, um, the fact they have flying is super important. Especially the fact that then you get a double strike. What's it encouraging you to do is basically make a load of, um, it's, it's basically an aggro version of Kakar is how I look at it. Gokara look for more, it's more like a combo potential because you can use the spirits to make um, more tokens, uh, sorry, use the spirits to make more mana, to make more tokens off of uh, cheap artifacts and that kind of thing. And you basically can go stormy, whereas this is way more aggro-y. I actually play more um, aggro-y for my Gokara deck, so I'll probably try Akim at some point. I'm going to have to buy the, the Jeskai deck regardless anyway because it's a Jeskai deck, of course. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'd be interested to see. I think the, the fact that it allows you to... Um, give all of the tokens double strike out from Garvey herself. I mean, obviously we haven't talked about this in, in uh, any length, but um, obviously all the lieutenants work very well with the generals. All of the commanders all do work together synergistically in some fashion. Normally it's slightly off the access. So for example, um, the lieutenant doesn't care about cycling. It cares about drawing, about when you make tokens. Obviously Garvey doesn't care about um, whenever you make tokens, but it makes tokens whenever you draw cards. So that kind of little synergy works quite nicely. I, um, will, I feel yeah. like it's... 
Well, it's basically it's the it's the more aggro version of Garvey's going to be the more storm version of the deck, and then Akim allows you to flex more into an aggro anthem effect if you want to do sure. it, playing things like Krithar's Crusade or Shared Animosity and that kind of thing. Sure, I don't think I don't think it's um it's it's something that you should breeze over to say that they work together because I think in the past sort of say past three Commander products, which is the past three years of Magic, so I mean that's you know that is still quite a considerable chunk of time. I've noticed that they've made the the lieutenants of these decks work nicely with their commanders. I remember the days of when so I picked up a Daxos uh, 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 what is his name the black white Daxos deck anyway he was the uh, the return that's it Daxos the return yeah quite right Um, he was the head of one of the decks in 2015 with the experience counters and open that deck up, and those decks have a lot of value in them. They've got a lot of really sort of expensive cards. Yeah, that still Black held Market, Karmic, Black Market, Thought Vessel, things like that, right? So very cool deck. But the 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 lieutenant for that deck was Karlov of the Ghost Council, which was an exile, um, you know, plus one one counter life gain sort of commander. And it seemed that in those times, the decks had kind of like two pathways they wanted you to take them in. So it was like a deck building challenge for people opening them up, but out of the box. They're pretty shite, to be honest with you. I mean, that that's mm. it. that um, year also had uh, had Azuri, Kalemni. Kalemni. It also had Merin, and it had Mizix um, of the Years Magnus. Mythics, so, the, yeah. so there, it was a net sort of gain of power. But still, you could look through those decks, and there were like whole swathes of cards that you would just rip out of the deck very easily. Yeah. What I've noticed in the past sort of like maybe the past couple of years, because I think the um, the tribal deck still had a lot of dud cards in there. But over the past couple of years, they've definitely had decks which really synergize very well like uh so last year's product and this year's product i think yeah the lieutenants are really nice and i think that's a really good thing by watsi that they want these decks to they don't want to be shown up by commander players building better versions of the decks that they're trying to release right <laughs> you know they don't want to have people sort of yeah. going whose idea was this to put that in there so i think you know it yeah. is a good thing i like the fact that the, com- uh, the lieutenants can be used with the commanders and vice versa yeah. i don't want to have to rip out half my legendaries because they're just different decks that they've decided to throw into them you know um, yeah for sure like that definitely i think i've definitely dialed back on um raw power like say obviously reprint value become is a big talking topic for command decks um, but they're definitely, instead of having all these clunky, powerful cards that you wanted for your collections that might work-ish in the deck, now they've just made the deck synergize really well so you could upgrade, but it works really, really well as um, as it as plays out of the box. Yeah. Um, also, speaking of um, Daxos, I didn't mention this, but um, Daxos is definitely the card that, um, and actually both Kalemi, the two, the two, most, the two more lackluster com- um, experience commanders both get helped by Kelsian. Um, the That's fact true, that he makes yeah. experience counted. You, you don't have the opportunity cost of, of having to pay play all these enchantments when Daxus in play to then get your spirits. You can just make a spirit because you've got a load of experience counters from Kelsian. Same with Kalemni, suddenly all your expensive cards cost. Um, sorry, she's suddenly huge without having to pay, play all of these six drops, seven drops in your deck. So I mean, that, I that's the work. nice thing of bringing back a mechanic. So like that's, I mean, Kelsian's the only one that has an experience counter, right? I mean, that's, the yeah. only, that's been the only card printed in the past five years that has anything to do with experience counters. And you're right, suddenly makes these two other cards, which people were probably really excited about, then dropped off very quickly. Now they become relevant again. Yeah. Yeah. So for those that are great. trying to build... Those that try to build the five color experience um, deck, you've actually got a pretty good option as well now to add to it. Um, I'd, I'd say probably just go harder if you're going to go for experience deck dot deck. But I mean, you know, you do you. Um, moving moving on to uh, the partner for the Jeskai deck, uh, Shabraz um, is the sky, Shabraz the Sky Shark. The sky Shark, um, yeah, yeah. Now there are three really really cool sharks in this in, in the Korea. I, I haven't I didn't mention um, the Jaws reference um, that was in the main Korea set. But there's a Jaws reference in the main Korea set with the great white shark. Whatever I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but um, this is a shark bird. <laughs> this shark is a bird. three 
<laughs> as you right, I'm, I'm gonna have to talk about um biologic biology after I've told you what the card does. But um first it's a three white blue for a legendary shark bird. Um, it partners with Sky Shark, uh, with Bralin, Sky Shark Rider, obviously. Um, it's a 3-3 flying. Whenever you draw a card, put a plus one, plus one counter on it, and you gain one life. Um, white, blue, um, sorry, white or blue um, to give a, a target human flying until end of turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the partner that goes with it is Bralin. Um, it's a three and a red for a legendary human shaman. Um, it's a 3-3. Whenever you discard a card, put a plus one, plus one counter on Bralin, and it deals one damage to each opponent. Uh, pay a red to give target shark trample until end of turn. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the fact that what I love about these these two um, is the fact that you don't see the rider on the back of Shabraz in Shabraz's artwork. No. So as you're scrolling down, you're like, okay, cool, and then you look down, you're like, oh god, he's riding a sky shark. <laughs> of course, he's riding a sky shark. Um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of um, the um, partner, the dragon and the knight from uh, Battle Bonds. Um, oh, I can't off my head. and what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 I can't remember what her name was. Uh, yeah, the fact that they. They, the fact that the dragon gives humans a bonus ability and then the human gives dragons a bonus ability, this is mirrored here with these two. I like this rider effect. I think it's very cool for partners. Um, you can go infinite, I believe, with Shabraz, um, um, with Drug Skull Reaver, because whenever you draw a card, you gain life. Whenever, um, whenever you, yeah, so whenever you draw a card, you put a plus one, plus one counter on Shabraz, gain a life. Whenever you gain a life, you draw a card off of the... Um, um, I've forgotten the name of the other one again already, Drug Skull Reaver, and then it creates that loop. The problem is neither of them are May ability, so you need a way to interrupt this, otherwise you die. <laughs> and you just, you just draw, your, draw your deck go and, go, and, then, and then die. Um, the thing I want to say biology-wise is it looks like the wings have taken the place of where the gills would go. It, does it breathe air or water? Um, ooh, does, it go through, does it fly through clouds to get the moisture? Um, I can't see on this resolution whether it's got gills. It doesn't look like it. Doesn't look like those it doesn't look like those are sort of scars um yeah, yeah so it's got yeah you're right it's got two lower wings which seem to be like the um the sort of the guiding fins i don't quite know what yeah yeah, yeah and then so it's got two larger wings. wings it's got two yeah. larger wings on the back it still does have its tail a shark tail and it still right. does still uh does still have its dorsal fin which you can see in the um in the, in the rider the rider one yeah exactly yeah. yeah so maybe i mean i don't know I yeah this is one of my this is one of those queries of how does so how does this mutate thing like don't get me wrong i get i get flying fish idea but didn't one day it just erupts out of the water and and then the the magics of, of Akoria went fuck it needs lungs give it lungs that can work you know also, and then it went well if it's got lungs that can work it needs it needs to stay out in the air Let's give wings wait the right if there is a god of Akoria, it is a child messing around with duplo blocks okay <laughs> so anything that anything that flies which has a giant gaping mouth that is mostly open all the time is not um it's probably not very aerodynamic. Think of the amount of flies that go into his mouth. Yeah. Imagine, imagine being, imagine being a resident of Skysail, and you're like, right, oh, good. At least, like, so imagine, right? So you, you, you leave your port town, you go, I'm sick and tired of all these monsters, these fucking sharks. They're so scary. You go, <laughs> you move to Skysail, you're like, oh, it's cool. I've got away with it. There's <laughs> just this flying shark that comes at you, and you're like, ah, oh, come on, can I get a break? I think <laughs> if you're a human on the plane of uh, Ecoria, which is afraid yeah. of any animal, I think you're in for a bad time. To yeah, that's, that's fair. That's. Fair. <laughs> Oh, I, right, really, so cool. I really I have, biology and I, have a, I have a fear of gnats oh thankfully gnats aren't too monstrous and then suddenly this gnat dinosaur bounces past you're like oh my god <laughs> right yeah. you would not have a nervous disposition in a courier for sure no you wouldn't last um, long cool right <laughs> so then the last uh, the last deck's the um, the soul tie one um, this is the mutate deck and um, this is Otrimi the ever playful um, it's mm. three black black green blue uh, for a six six trample it has mutate for one black, green, blue, and um, then whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, return target creature with mutate from your graveyard to your hand. 
Interestingly, this is the only carbon mutate that doesn't have a mutate trigger. But Ooh. it is also a six mana six drop that you can mutate from your command zone for four mana. So yeah, kind you, of like, you put kind this... Like Revy, you don't, you yeah. can't get around... Um, it will always... So um, a, quick, a quick aside, you will always add the additional um, command attacks to the mutate cost as if... And the same way as you would be... As to its normal casting cost if you were casting yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, command attacks is always applied to alternate costs um, unless it's something like Derevi's ability where it tells you to put it into the command zone as activated ability. If there's ever a cost of playing your card, um, no matter what the alternate cost is, commander attacks applies to it. Um, so yes, yeah, this is quite an interesting one. This is obviously the mutate deck. We didn't say it, but Garvey's obviously the cycling deck. Um, the fact that, yeah, when it deals combat damage to a player, you get to return um, a card with mutate from graveyard to your hands. Fantastic. That obviously does mean that this deck's quite weighted in terms of mutate cards. Yeah. Um, I think there's uh, most of the mutate um, cards from Ikoria are going to be present in here as well. Not necessarily the rares, obviously, because they want you to go over and buy some Ikoria product and get the rares from it. Um, I think well, the thing I like about this card more than anything else, beyond it just being kind of a bit generic, just does a normal Soltai good stuff thing, which is fine. Soltai gets enough love. Um, Simic especially gets enough love. I don't think that's too bad. Um, his artwork and the, and the, and his, and the fact that he's the other playful. I want to know more about this guy. He mm. looks really cool. He looks like he he's looks really like fun. the most interesting character, that's for sure, because he, out of all the monsters, the monsters in this uh, set, they either fall into the category of unbelievably cute like an otter which has an electric hairdo or unbelievably <laughs> monstrous. Whereas this yeah. nightmare beast, yeah, it kind of falls very much in the middle. It looks pretty scary. It's this, you know, it's a very chunky looking boy. But the fact that he's, he's kind of playing on a branch and he's upside down, he's like hanging off of it. Yeah. I believe he's, he's maybe not that vicious, but I wouldn't necessarily say he's not dangerous. Whereas all the no. other cute monsters, you kind of think, oh, well, you know, yeah, they could probably bite me, but then so could a dog in the real world. Do you know what I mean? Whereas mm. this guy, yeah. Yeah, very, very salty, very salty. I think the, the characterization is very good. Yeah, apart from being um, a 6-6, six, six, he kind of reminds me a little bit from my um, shameless IP plug of the episode. It reminds me of the little salamander at Frozen 2. It'd just be like a fun boy to have, like, I'd love to bond with this guy. He seems great. Do you know what? Um, I've not seen Frozen 2. Is it good? Oh, really? I'd recommend it. It's pretty good. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so yeah, kind of, it reminds me a bit of a pucky kind of aspect. Um, the fact this is quite generic means that we have a very, very weird um, Zoraxa. The exemplary is our lieutenant. Um, so we had a very general, like, I mean, I guess going wrong, having to work mutates fairly narrow. Um, Zorax is fairly narrow in, in ways as well. It's a one black, green, blue for a legendary nightmare Hydra. Um, again, with the artworks, um, Simon, Simon Dominic, um, your artworks, mate, I don't, I, you need to do more artworks. This is really cool. It's, it's got, it, it looks kind of, again, like the old school artworks of where it's a little bit, the vibrancy is a little bit up. The pigment's a little bit up. It looks a little less realistic. Like, there's a lot of artworks that they do nowadays with um, digital artwork where they try and make it not hyper-realistic, but you can imagine it existing in the real world more easily because it looks like it's been made in the real world. Mm. Um, Zoraxa kind of reminds me a little bit of Invasion um, style artworks um, back in the day. Like a bit of, just that, It pops a little bit more. Um, yeah. and it's a 2-3 death touch. It taps to add two mana of any one colour to your mana pool whenever you cast a spell with X in its mana cost to create a zero zero green hydro token then put X plus one plus one counters on it um, so this is your this is your X spell I mean not only we've got a lot of X support recently um, but this is your hydro support that gets you all of most of your hydras you don't get the red ones in this one unfortunately so you're going to have to trim a little bit in that regard but the fact it's um, a 2-3 death touch mana rock is really strange the fact it's a 2-3 hydra with no other way to make itself bigger is already a bit weird like, it has no way itself to grow. Uh, uh, but, but the fact that it yeah. makes other Hydras is quite cool. The fact you can do this off of, like, Finale of Devastations, you can do this off Genesis Waves, you can even do it off of a, um, 
what's the one I'm looking for? Everflowing Chalice, which would go very well in a Hydra deck. Um, this seems like one of those things of where like they just they're, they're trying to tick off the box. Um, another, another right, okay, right. So if you want to build Hydra Tribal, we've got, we've done rights of um, not rights of flourishing. What's the one that you play? Unbound flourishing. Unbound flourishing. So you play cards like that where doubles X values, um, and then they went, okay, well you've got your red, you've got your your um, your gyrus. Gyrus, mm. the uh, Jund one. You've got your Jund one, but here's you've also his, got the his green one type. from M twenty as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you've got you've got you basically get you're taking all of your Hydra boxes. <laughs> People like play big X spells um, and Zaraxas are really good way to do I, so. I you don't even have to play the X spells really. Just talking even talking about Hydras though, I think they've been trying for a long time because you're right. They have printed a lot of legendary Hydras recently, and it was probably because they knew they were going to have this in this set. But I also think that they've been trying to do Hydras because they also had Palakronos coming in as Golgari in the latest Theros set. They've been trying to do Hydras in different ways to try and make them maybe feel like their own tribe, but not just like a big green dumb creature. So they've been trying to find find out where they kind of fit into the sort of magic sort of gameplay world if you like um and expels obviously a big deal with with hydras because expels appear on a lot of them if they're not going to appear on all of them um this this hydra because i really love hydras <clears throat> not only does this feel really really good for me i'd like to see hy uh, hydras and saltite actually i think that'd be a really good place for them this is the first commander that's come back for a long time that would make me take apart my Karametra big mana deck and turn it into an expel mm. deck. Because Karametra, the way I built her, has been sort of half expels um, because you've got all the mana available. Because but it's always bemoaned me that I can't make it more thematic because it's I want more Hydras in there. I want more kind of expel shenanigans in there. And this guy, yeah, it's tempting. It's very tempting to take apart my Karametra deck to build this guy. And um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the next year brings. I'm not 100% sold, but this is very interesting. Much more interesting than any of the other Hydras that have come out recently, I think, for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the whole point is they originally wanted, because um, I thought this a few, um, I would say a few years ago, it's probably about a decade ago, but they're talking about each colour having its own um, lesser tribe and major tribe. So the lesser tribes would be like, say, goblins, elves, humans, all that nonsense. Um, then the major tribe for green was moving into hydras and at the time i was like yeah there's not really that much design space at this point you only had like your typical like colonial hydras and things like that and i was like okay yeah fair enough and then they do things like apocalypse hydra or it has those abilities and the fact that they're, yeah they're, they're really expanding it out and seeing where else they can go with hydras is i think a really really good idea because now hydras are probably more diverse than say angels are or say dragons are um, oh 100 so, yeah I think hydras they've done yeah. so much with hydras in their design and like yeah it's almost like a it's almost like how we say that giant is like a subspecies so you can have like a giant cat or a giant whatever i kind of feel like hydra is becoming a subspecies now which is a good thing because you have your goat hydras you have your lizard hydras you have your fucking snake yeah hydras, you know yeah we'll get onto that a little bit later there's always it seems in every commander product there's what can we make into a hydra this set yeah um and they, they, they they're really they're pushing the boat out we've had lizards we've had turtles and um, we'll talk about the one today in a little bit but um just the last the last thing to talk about to the um Salta deck is the partners um, you've got Akima, Stalking Shadow, one blue black for a legendary creature, Whale Wolf. Yeah, um, now, Whale Wolf doesn't do this creature justice. It is so cool. That fin. Oh my God, the yeah, fin. Yeah, it's very Darkin, cool. He's a Darkin's chunky done boy. great work on this. Yeah. Um, yeah, the artwork in general in this, in, in, across both the Corey and the Commander product is, is pretty stellar. Um, and it's um, a 2-2. Um, it cannot be blocked. Um, it, when it leaves the battlefield, you deal X damage to target player and you gain X life where X is its power. Um, its partner with is three and a green for Kazur, uh, Ruthless Stalker. Um, it's a 3-3 three, three human warrior. Um, whenever a creature you control does combat damage to a player, put a plus one, plus one counter on that creature. So kind of like the vampire, the vampire ability. Whenever you hit, it gets a little bit bigger. 
Um, mm. Obviously, the stalking shadows unblockable. So um, this one's again a little bit generic. Um, basically, you've just got an unblockable attacker and someone who makes it bigger whenever they get in. Um, I don't think that they're, they're necessarily that bad. I didn't actually talk at all about Bran and quickly <laughs> the fact that whenever you discard a card, put a plus one plus one counter on it, and it deals one damage to each opponent. Um, I, we did breezed over that for the fact that Shabraz is super, 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 super interesting. That's really broken in cards like uh, in decks like Nakusa or Neheb, where you're discarding your hand. That's a lot of damage. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think uh, I think yeah, Brawlin's Sky Shark Rider is going to be um, yeah a bit of a sleeper hit to be honest with you. But yeah, yeah, exactly because he can just drop into other decks. That it's just that static ability. Uh, whenever you discard a card, forget even the Pillar Pass and Pass and Counter on him. Um, it's just the deal with that one damage to each opponent. It's actually really strong. You don't see that often. Um, the fact that Kazor compared to that, not only does he not have the activated ability that Brawlin has to give Sharks Trample, which is a great line of text. Um, the fact it only gives uh, Pass and Pass and Counter to creatures that don't come out and just talk player. Uh, 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 mm. uh, yeah, I would like it if it was even if it um, made um, any creature when it deals combat damage to one of your opponents get a plus one plus one counter. Obviously, that creates politics, but um, even something like that may be a bit less generic. That those two um, out of all of them, actually, I take it back. Yeah, the, the Yannick and Nik Nikara can lose their mantle. U Ukima and Kazor have my have my option as the least interesting of all the partners. Um, and I think yeah, the idea is it's just another alternative option. The fact that the, the fact that Akuma looks so cool, <laughs> the Whalewolf, um, it looks so cool. It makes me really want to such a hench boy. Put it in something. And yet he also still looks incredibly stealthy. <laughs> like it's just yeah, how yeah, have you I married wanna, those two things up? I know it's really weird. And I want to. I guess I kind of want to put it in a deck just for the unblockability. Like I might replace Fathom Feeder from my um, from um, Scarab God for it, but we'll see. Mm. Or so I don't know. Just because it looks really, really cool, and it's yellow. It's a yellow card, so Nathan loves it. Um, <laughs> cool. So yeah, so that's all. Like, that's all the legends. Those are all the different options for um, for your commanders. Um, we talked a bit about like, most of them. The fact that you do have such um, such options, and the fact that you technically have four different commanders is is quite cool. And he's do, all going to be in foil, by the way. I do think um, it's very cool that because they've released this as a, a link into a set. Obviously, they have to include the set thematics. So they have to include balanced colors in all of the decks. They have to include balanced themes in all the decks. If you were to buy this as a set of five, I think you could merge more in these decks together to create one super deck. Whereas in the past years, because they've never really... They've done themes, obviously, like with, whether it's themes with creatures or colors or whatever. But they've definitely played around more with like... Um, so for the Planeswalker set, for example, you add one two-color general and then the rest were three. Like that doesn't make sense from a color pie perspective, but they could do it because they have the space to. But that means then you couldn't necessarily take them all apart and create one deck together. Whereas in this one, there's a lot of overlap. Um, and I, I kind of think that's nice. It makes the whole set feel a bit more coherent as opposed to just five random decks that they've just kind of put together. Yeah, no, for sure. Absolutely for sure. I think that there's a lot more structure to the uh, Commander products. And if they're going to be tying them into sets, there's going to be even more direct synergy between the decks. The only thing is that the decks will always feel a little bit more... Um, Shoehorned, um, the, at least the premier, the premier um, commanders. The secondaries will always allow you to then go into something that isn't necessarily directly linked into the latest set, and it gives you an option. Yeah, that um, is definitely your partners. Definitely the your partners are just yeah. are just cool. I think it's um, just cool. It's a cool way to get the bonding thing going as well in the set. Yeah, nice. I agree. Yeah, there's there's a bit of give and take with the way that they're doing this. I think yeah, as as a product to buy to kind of get into the current format of magic i think they're probably better if they're tied into the set but you're right yeah the flip side to that is is that you lose a little bit of the kind of outworldly commander sort of thing where they could just go oh we want to do a, a fucking baron sangir deck like let's just do that you know they have to kind of make mm. it fit in interesting yeah we'll see how that goes cool yeah so moving on we've got some uh um we've got 
a very interesting cycle. I think this is the most interesting cycle out of the um, out, of, out of all of the decks. Um, uh, sorry, out of all of the cards that have been released, um, and that's the free cycle. I say free um, air quoting as I always do with every episode. Um, I say free. Uh, basically, these are instants that you can cast for without paying a mana cost if you control a commander. Um, and as with all free effects, they've probably tried to balance these nicely, haven't they, Andy? I'm sure they don't have obnoxious effects that <laughs> they're uh, really... No, really these are all the cards which are going to be worth about 30 quid in about a week. <laughs> yeah, these are the chase cards. Things like Teferi's Protection, of where you can only get it out of a commander set, and it's just so ubiquitously powerful that you can't not have it. This whole cycle is that. Um, so basically, you've got um, two and a white. Um, two, so it, all of them cost two and a colour apart from uh, the black one, which has cost three and a black. Um, they're all instants. The white one gives creatures you, con um, creatures you control indestructible until end of turn. The blue one counters target non-creature spell. Um, the red one, you may choose new targets for target spell or ability. The black one exiles target creature. And the green one prevents all damage that will be dealt by um, creatures your opponents control this turn. Mm. Which, so, I, mm, the green one's a bit of a disappointment for me because that just seems like a shit version of the white one. Do you know what I mean? Um, I and um, well, no, white one could be played again um, um, in, into a wrath, whereas obscuring haze is kind of specifically about combat. It yeah. allows you to. I guess not only can you survive a turn, where as long as you've got your commander, you can't be like you can't be hit that like you're not going to die from combat damage that one turn. And it also allows you to potentially pr create situations where you're attacking. Into someone I, suppose, and then I, think it's, I think it's the idea that it's a fog and fog effects in EDH are always a little bit less impressive than you want them to be. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I agree. I think it's probably the least, um, potentially the least powerful um, in a vacuum. Um, I think deflecting swats, I, like, protect, that's the redirect one, the red one, the redirect one. I think that's arguably going to have less, less um, opportunistic um, use, but when it's used, it's going to be really powerful. Sure. I can't um, think people are obviously going nuts over the blue one, aren't they? Because it's a counter spell. Which, yeah, it's basically a free counter spell. As long oh, as you fucking control get your over it. Like, I'm not a big yeah. fan of blue mages. Like, in terms of blues, I'm with people when I when they sort of whinge about blue magic and counter spells and stuff. Fine, but God, at this point, it's just a counter spell. Get over it. Yeah, like, you've already got pact of negation. You've already got yeah. force of will. You've already got pact of um, pact of uh, force of negation. Force or whatever, of negation. Pact of, yeah, yeah. Pact of, you've already got you've already got all of these. So, like, I don't really see adding one more is the, the absolute end of the world. Um, no. Obviously, the whole point is that you need to have your commander in place. This works really, really well with cheap commanders. Mm. Um, Deadly Rollick being a free uh, removal spell is probably like the least, um, I want to say the least interesting, because all of the others can protect your commander, whereas Deadly Rollick doesn't help your commander survive. Because, um, obviously, you're going to have to your commander in play when you play free typically anyway. But at the same time, a free removal spell, and also Exile is very important for commander as well, because mm -hmm. uh, Graveyard's a lot better to have your creatures sat in than removed from the game. You don't want your creatures removed from the game. But I think all of these are very powerful. And as you say, I think these are going to be some of the chase cards for the set. Yeah. Um, I know for a fact that because I play a Mardu, commander, um, a, a, a Mardu partner deck um, that kind of runs combat things and also plays tricks, I want all three of the other... I, will, I want all three that I can play. Um, and this is maybe a, a point of when they keep making all these really, really, really powerful cards. And there is always a powerful cycle per commander set typically there's always something in there that people want to play most of their decks eventually we get a few years down the line i'm not going to any space for any cards that weren't yeah the really really good card from the latest commander set that goes into commander decks I mean, I mean, this, is, this is true but then how many how many tefroge protections have you really faced out in the wild i mean i've faced a few yeah, to be fair. not every play session it's yeah, not to be even fair. Every I, have, month. I have one and i think i've played it once maybe okay. and i've had it played against me uh, with the deck that I was playing played once maybe 
Um, and I've had that. I've had that card sit for about a year now. So yeah, I do. I do want to say it's the, it's the thing we spoke about not that long ago about um, there aren't too many people doing um, tooth and nail for Creative Behemoth and Avenger Ascender card. Like yeah. we, we don't necessarily see it so much. I mean, also for CDH, I think this guardianship's really, really important. But CDH sure. is a whole different beast, so I don't think that's necessarily so important for the general populace. Uh, also, um, it's, it's, it's also, not something we should be worrying about. Like no, it's also a free counter spell. Flash, you can, you know. Yeah, it's also a free counter spell. You can actually get hold of fairly easily. Force of Will is still really expensive, even though they released it in Iconic Masters. It's still really expensive. Well, if you look at it um, this way, if you look at the blue one this way, yes, it's a free counter spell, and yes, people don't like blue counter spells. But if you look at it from a point of view of, of health for the player base, you're right. It's an affordable, achievable counter spell which has that effect. I'd rather yeah. have that option available to people from like a fellow game player example if someone goes oh, i really wish i could have these cool counter spells but they're worth a bajillion pounds well that's not fair whereas now they have the option to have that effect in their deck if they want it and if they use it against me more than four times in a play session i might get up and move to a different pod but you know other than that like get mm. these cards out there people deserve to have powerful cards you know yeah it introduces this kind of play style as well into more casual gameplay um this idea of keeping up the tricks um obviously this helps newer players because they probably will be doing that thing if they pay they use all of their matter on each of their turns and this if as long as their commander's out which again if you're a newer player you probably want to be playing your commander out as quickly as possible um it gives you an option to still have interaction without having overcommitted, uh, mm -hmm. and it might teach people to have this idea of being able to be prepared for other people having a counter spell be prepared for people to have an answer when you don't expect them to um so i think yeah it probably generates better game gameplay as well as introducing some quite powerful effects to the format um I just want to mention those because I think yeah I think the blue one as you say is probably going to be very expensive. I think all of them in general could be worth. I think worth the, white one, the white one's piqued my interest as well because it's another it's another Teferi's protection. It's another yeah. sort of uh, eerie interlude. By the way, people, if you play if you're not playing Teferi's protection, just play eerie interlude. Like seriously, yeah, absolutely. What, what um, or um, the uh, one from Ravnica Allegiance that gives um, indestructible um, and uh, has the addendum ability. Oh yeah! Um, oh yeah! 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 Can't remember. I'm the flinked, oh, can't remember. I can never remember what it's called. I've got it in one of my deck. I can never remember what it's called. Anyway, mm. yeah, there are options for, if you don't have Teferi's protection. Plus, the price has come down a bit since the um, uh, the mystery boosters. Anyway, anyway, sidetrack. We we get so sidetracked all the time. Yeah. It's lovely. Um, so um, the only other thing I, I wanted to talk about um, in terms of um, newer cards is there are some quirky cards. Now these are just standouts that I saw that I, I really wanted to talk about. The first one is Eon Frolica because it's a very strange card. Now this is, um, this, I wish that they'd changed the artworks around from this and for Lutri, because this is also really cool. Um, and I think it would have been fine. And then we could have had Lutri artwork on a card that I might want to play. Um, this is a two blue blue uh, for an elemental otter. Um, it's a five five with flying. Um, and when it enters the battlefield, if you cast it, target opponent takes an extra turn after this one until your next turn, you and planeswalkers you control have protection from that player. Ooh. Now, the reason I, I bring this up is because you can obviously politic. There's nothing <laughs> you think you might look at this and go, oh, "Okay, so you can create a nice group huggy situation of where you uh, create a couple of tokens of it, you give everyone an extra turn or whatever." Cool, that's that's that's, that's cool. Um, what if you do? If you play it once and you give, it's good in March Enemy because if you play it um, and you give one of the other people that's on your side, or if you're doing say two v two, obviously it's really really good. Um, but you can give someone else who's got the opportunity to hit the person who's probably going to win the game next turn an extra an, another turn opportunity to stop them. Um, the thing that I don't like about this is it's going to create some real, real salty moments where you're playing a three-player game. You play your 5-5 five, five flying and you go, well, not you, but I give you the extra turn. That other player's like, well, no, I hate both of you. 
mm. and it creates an automatic arch enemy situation. So what I do like, and the reason I bring it up is because you, what you can do is if you can find a way to infinitely blink this, which in blue, weirdly enough, there's a load of ways to do that, you can give your opponent infinite turns and they'll just die. <laughs> because you have protection from the creatures they can draw. Unless they can mill you out or do you damage with like burn spells or, or some, some other way, they're just going to draw their entire deck and, 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 and lose. I mean, typically, they will probably in EDH have a way to win outside of combat. Um, but if you're playing blue, you probably have a few counter spells and things like that and ways to get around like the turn that they go off. Um, but that, that, is an, that, is, that, is, that is something that I noticed, is you can just go, well, just give this person infinite turns and unless sure. they can kill everyone, they, they, they lose. Um, but yeah, um, the other one that I've got um, is ne Netherborn Altar. And what I like about wizards is that now they started adding colors to artifacts, they're starting to put really interesting abilities on them. Um, so this is one and a black for an artifact. Um, you tap to put a soul counter on Netherborn Altar um, put your commander into your hand from your command zone, then you lose three life for each soul counter on Netherborn Altar, which is quite cool. I like yeah, this. They, they, they keep adding all these different ways of allowing you, um, your commanders to um, be easier to play. Um, I know there was Command Tower, which is an expensive one. It was in the Azuri Precon, I believe. And because I haven't reprinted it in anything, it's quite an expensive land to get hold of. There's now another option to do it. Yes, it's only in black, but um, you know, for, 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 for other colors, there's always MasterCard. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I think it's a, a nice way that they're flexing into uh, design spaces around specifically, like, you know, being able to repay your commander and knowing that sometimes the feel bads of having your commander killed six or seven times mm. um, isn't, so, isn't so fun. Um, obviously, there isn't, you have to pay life for it as, all with, black, as, as with most black cards, but um, black doesn't really care about that anyway. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, it's an, interest, an, an interesting Oh, no, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great addition. Great addition for any black deck that has a, an end to the battlefield effect for their commander for sure. Um, so then moving on to another artifact, um, Lava Brink Floodga Floodgates. Mm. It's three and a red for an artifact. Um, it taps for two red. And then at the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player may put a Doom counter on Lava Brink Floodgates or remove a Doom counter from it. Then if it has three or more Doom counters on it, sacrifice it. When you do it, it does six damage to each creature. Cool. So I love all a, these uh, Plague Boiler effects. I think they're very, very cool. Yeah. I mean, obviously in a four-player game, there is an opportunity for... the um, but basically, if you, if, I've looked up a lot of like uh, people talking about this, and it's essentially a Punisher card because it's allowing your opponents to choose of whether you wrath the board to deal six damage to everything, or if you have a two mana mana rock. Um, people are saying it's not necessarily so good because in a four player game they can decide before you can get the mana back to kill everything. Um, but then the argument against that as well, if if there's one player at the table that has a really really good board and no one else does, they're going to want obviously keep the counters off of it, but everyone else want to keep the counters on, which will allow you to have a mana rock and this constant ability to just to kill everything mm. on the board so again it creates these interesting um, board states and situation decision trees and it's not just you making the decisions it's your opponents they're making decisions encouraging multiplayer interactivity um, there's a theme as you can probably see with the way that they're building these decks now is not only is there synergy within the decks that makes all the cards tied together and feel like they're doing something good they're getting, they're getting cards to get everyone at the table interacting together and creating a, a board states and situations that, that are interesting and engaging um, so yeah I think it's a, it's a nice it's a nice interesting and again it's a playboy in fact, I like playing Boiler. Yeah, it's the kind of it's um, the kind of EDH that I prefer to play. If I'm honest with you, like, see, so yeah, I'm glad they're doing it. Yeah. So on a on a, on a similar note um, to that, we've got um, <laughs> this is the, uh, the 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 X Hydra of the set, um, Capricopian. It's an X green for a le uh, for a not a legend. <laughs> it really should be a legend. Um, um, X green for a goat Hydra. Um, it ends the battlefield with X or plus one plus one counters on it, being a zero zero. You may pay two to put a plus one plus one counter on Capricopian, then you may reselect which player Capricopian is attacking. 
Only the player Capricopian is attacking may activate this ability, and only during the declare attacker's step. Hmm. So you, you know, make a seven, man, a seven seven. You turn it sideways at your opponent, and they go, actually, right, no two mana. Add another counter. Actually, goes over there, and then that <laughs> goes. Okay, right, actually, no uh, two mana. Add a counter. It goes. It goes. It goes over there. Um, and then, then that player goes, okay, now back to the original player. And then and you, as long as people have mana open, they just pass this goat back and forth amongst each other um, <laughs> to, to see who it attacks, uh, which is amazing. Um, not only that, I mean, if you look at the artwork, <laughs> what I love about these hydras is that they never have more than four legs, but they always have a shitload of heads. And it just made, it must be so unbalanced. Like all of these, all of these Ibexy goat looking things, they have Top unicorn heavy. horns at the end of their noses. They've got the curled horns, the regular straight horns, and they're about three heads. <laughs> it's, just, it's just ridiculous. And what I'm imagining in my law, in my, my law, my, my head cannon, as it always does sometimes, is imagining these four people fighting and there's this goat in the middle and then each time it just sprouts a new head and runs to a different player and the other player goes, nope, new head, different player. <laughs> it just keeps running around and around. Um, yeah, that's really, really cool. If you can make infinite mana as well um, and it's attacking you, you can just go, well, boom, can and then you, pass it somewhere else. Can you stop yeah. encouraging people to make infinite mana? Like, this is, this is too much now. You're getting it's too yeah. broken. <laughs> no, I just, I just, I like to, see, I like to see, whatever. Okay, right. what's funny is the head cannon goes to the most ridiculous thing first, and then my brain finds a way to make it work in the game. And it's, it's the third time you mentioned infinite mana. Stop making infinite mana. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not, my, I'm not the guy making infinite mana. You're encouraging people to do it, and I want it to stop right now. Okay, sorry. Okay, so uh, from obnoxious uses of mana to parity of mana. Um, Jesus Christ, Andy man, did it happen? Has, has, is it, the, it is truly the end times because white's getting love. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's white's getting, getting love. Getting some getting love in the form usable of, mana ramp. Yeah, like, is it, right, so Cartographer's Cork is one and a white for a creature bird, 2 1 flying. When it deals combat damage to a player who controls more lands than you, return it to its owner's hand. If you do, you may search your library for a planes card, put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. Now, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the massive caveat of just because there's a load of loopholes doesn't mean we shouldn't also look at the positives <laughs> of, what, of what White's getting because realistically it just means that you can play you can, yeah, you have to bounce it back to your hand each time that it hits someone um, but you can just replay it back out again for two mana and then hit again the next turn afterwards so it's not actually that much of a delay and as long as someone else is doing something obnoxious um, or more obnoxious than you and you're playing White so they probably are um, you're going to be able to get a, a, a mana each time and it's onto the battlefield tap it's not even to your hand um, like some cards, some white cards tend to be like it's directly into play as well. So it allows you to catch up instantly. And at it least feels a very white right way to get mana ramp as well. Because the, the thing we always say about white is that it it doesn't want to exceed and overextend. What it wants to do is it wants to keep everyone at an even keel and lock the board down that way. So it's not trying to overextend with its lands. It's just trying to make sure it keeps up with the people who are doing obnoxious things, which I think is a really good yeah. place for white to be. Yeah, and what I like is it has to hit the player who has more lands than you. It's not just if any player has more lands than you, um, which is um, quite good. Cause I mean, like, again, the fact that it has to go through a load of loopholes, um, I don't think it's a bad thing. Because I think white, realistically, apart from mono white, because mono white's where the big issue is, so I think white has a lot of um, spread in terms of um, what, its, what its cards can do. Um, I think it has a lot of um, kill effects. It has a lot of very strong um, positive card advantage, not card advantage effects, um, but it has a lot of ways of... Um, it does a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, so I think mono white's the only one that really needs the help, and this allows mono. It, it doesn't fill out of its wheelhouse. If you did this on any other color, I think it would feel wrong. Um, so I think that's quite good. Sure. Like if you did say replace planes um, for forest and do this on a green creature, I don't think I'd like it very much. Sure. Uh, um, we are running a little bit long. Have you got much more to uh, go through? No, just I've got one more, one more, and this is Verge Rangers. Same, same spiel. 
um, two and a white um, for three three first strike. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. Interesting ability for white already. As long as you're, as long an opponent controls more lands than you, you may play lands from the top of your library. Nice. So not only have you got if you've got ramp, I'm not going to say ramp because Cartographer Assault isn't really ramp because you're not getting ahead of mana unless someone else is ahead of mana. But this is card advantage. Holy nonsense. White got card advantage. On a 3 3 first strike, you can look at the top card. As long as the top card's a land and you haven't played a land this turn, you are drawing a card by putting a land from the top of your deck into play. That yeah, is drawing very a card, cool. I don't care what anyone says. Oh, um, yeah, no, it is. So, yeah. Yeah. It's drawing a useful card as well, not a dud card. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so the fact that White's getting these two cards. Um, and I, this compared to Happily Ever After, where Maris said that White's getting effects that should help it keep up in Commander. These are the effects that I want to see, these kinds of ideas. And again, they don't fall outside of her White's wheelhouse, so I think it's absolutely fine. Um, yeah. Cool, right, that's, that's, that, that was it for all the new cards. Um, I'm just going to mention quickly, um, there are a few reprints that were very, very good. Signets, um, including the Arcane Signet, have been reprinted. Huzzah, they're not just yep. in the Brawl decks. So that's cut the price down on those significantly. And it also shows that they're paying attention to people needing good mana in their mana decks, not just three manas, like, you know, not the lockets and things like that. People don't want those. Um, the gods, the fact that we've got the Locust God and Karametra shows that they're willing to put, print pretty decent, um, expensive cards that have splashy effects in. I know that you and I are probably going to be swapping specifically a Locust God for a Karametra because you've got a Karametra and I've got a Locust God, but we're getting the decks that have those cards. Just yeah, quite sure. Good. Gets more of those going out. Fluctuator. What's hilarious about this card is that the name Fluctuator, if you look at the price on it, um, it went up massively because everyone went, oh, there's a Cycle Commander coming out. Um, and so let's, 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 let's bump the price up to £30 and then they reprinted it. So, so screw, uh, screw all the people that do speculation. Um, this, is why MT, this is why MTG Finance, people need to just calm the fuck down. All right? just... Yeah, this is, this is exactly this happening. It's proving to you, stop it. Just calm down a little bit. Um, um, Walkers, um, the Walker selection is quite good in this. The fact we've got Nissa Steward of Elements is quite cool. Um, Chandra Flamecaller, like the, the, the Planeswalkers in the last last year were pretty lackluster in my opinion. And the fact mm. you get Nahiri in this set as well. Um, yeah, some cool cool Planeswalkers brings the price of those down a little bit. Shadow Animosity is a really, really cool card. Shadow Animosity is a big reprint, yeah. Yeah, I've had that. Bit. I've had a play set of that since um, Morningside because I played back then, and it's been. I've not been sat on the value of it, but I should, probably should have traded a few off because I knew eventually it was going to happen, and it has happened. Um, and then a few little things. Um, re um, not necessarily reprints, but returning mechanics. We've had things like delve, devour, strive come into. Um, it's quite quite cool to see little, um, little effects that we haven't seen in a long time in great um, um, in, in in big amounts. Like strike, getting a little bit of extra strive, I think is quite cool. Yeah. Um, the devour mechanics also works really well. The delve cards also really really cool. Um, yeah, I realize we're running over, so I'm going to stop there. That's yeah, it. no, I think, I think they're all very valid points. Um, I mean, let's say the deck list is all up and running now online, so uh, I would encourage anyone listening to go check them out. Um, I'm still very, very tempted to get all five just because there is just so much. Like, I think once you, this is one of those commander products where once you buy all five of them, if you buy all five of them, you're kind of set up for another sort of year or two of magic building, and you probably don't have to buy any more commander products either. Um, there are some commander products where you think, oh, if I was to buy one or two of these decks, I'm still, or even all five, I'm still kind of down a lot of things that I'd need to kind of keep playing commander whereas i think this one's really jam-packed which is really yeah cool. um yeah cool. we didn't even talk about the lands about you get a tricolor fetch um the tricolor fetch lands from the main Aquarius set as well is really important yeah yeah um, very very that's cool. one of the things that drops in the last day and it allows you to then yeah mana bases is obviously a big thing but the yeah they can still do better but i think that i think they're getting there um yeah. all right guys that is our commander 2020 uh overview not necessarily review but uh, uh overview uh next week or rather later this week and then the week after we'll be doing our lore episodes on Aquaria. we're starting off with monsters and then moving on to humans if you have not read Django Wexler's Sundered Bond. I'm not going to force you to read it because I'm not your dad, but I will suggest that you read it. Um, and it will be very useful for the upcoming episodes as well. Um, I know, Nathan, you're working your way through it right now. I finished it. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, very... no, I have, I'll have it finished in the next day or two. 
yeah exactly um so yeah get on that um if you want to hit us out on twitter guys and chat to us about magic we've been having really cool conversations with people over the past week or so about Aquaria. Uh, you can head over to at mt flavoring we do daily polls and daily flavor picks as well emails go to mt flavoring at uh, gmail.com my personal twitter is at andy manface nathan's yours is at the fox in the moon at the fox in the moon and uh, guys as ever thank you for sticking with us through this bonus episode We have been Magic the Flavoring. See you soon.